Good morning, everyone. Great to see all your smiling faces there this morning. I love uh, this text in Acts chapter 2. We're going to be spending some time in the next couple of weeks in Acts of the Apostles. And this, this is really the, the, the beginning of the church. Somehow what had happened at Easter, this crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord that left these people scared and huddled in an upper room begins to move out, begins to take hold of their lives. But it, it always begins in a community of faith. It, it's a group of people. I just did a children's message over uh, next door this morning, and I had my cell phone, and I had my headphones in. And I was listening to some music, and, uh, and the kids couldn't hear it because I had the headphones on. But once I took out the, the headphone jack, you know, and put the mic up there, then they could hear it. And, you know, my point was, a lot of people, I think, approach their faith with their headphones on. Uh, you know, they, they want a deep personal experience. In fact, I often hear people describe their faith as, well, I'm spiritual but not religious, which means, you know, I, I commune with God, but I don't do so with a group of people or as part of a communal expression of faith. But here, my goodness, in Acts of the Apostle, need to develop. So it's personal and uh, mission statement for the church. But, and... You know, we worked for some time free to how the church began. And Acts of the Apostles uh, is filled with sermons. So here I am preaching a sermon. It's kind of like Peter, uh, you know, in, in this text. Peter stands up, and I love the line that you just heard read. Peter, with the eleven standing with him. line that you just heard read. Peter with the eleven standing with him. There's only with the eleven that you getting with him. There's only one way that you get up here and preach a sermon. That's with people behind you. Uh, you know, in this service, we've had Richard and Tammy for five years almost up here standing with whoever was preaching. And we have elected elders and deacons, 21 of each. That's the church people who are part of with me and with every preacher who comes here. So I was up here in Pasadena Tower, being clergy in Mr. Grove Homes. Many of you know it. It's a re- I was there to listen to a lecture by the Presbyterian president of Fuller Seminary, Richard Mao. It was a provocative titled presentation strategies for building bridges between the church and modern culture strategies for building bridges between the church and modern culture many bridges between the church and modern culture many things he shared that day but one comment made a particularly deep and lasting impression on me after identifying the kind of period to describe what is going on in our cult deconstruction, we're questioning all the... He described it this way. His culture, is, and so he's been uh, more than a casual observer. An artist had created 
he was uh, looking at a piece of art that an artist had created by simply dropping color on a large looking at a piece of art that an artist had created by simply dropping color on a large canvas at a piece of art that and wherever it dropped and however it splattered and Rich Mao's looking at this thing and he's thinking and this artist friend said that's precise there's a suspicion of everything that's been received and a desire to rethink and challenge every drops of if a Monet or a constable is art how about this drops of paint splattered on a canvas do you call that art yes paint splattered on a canvas do you call that art then he went on to say that the same thing is happening in the church the same then he went on to say that the same thing is happening in the church place same kind of challenge if you sing this Mumford and is taking is that bless you <laughs> but I you know is that is that I mean is that or morning what do you call a congregation options are being questioned what do you call ministry if you can raise and that illustration helped me to begin to think about this phenomenon that I've experienced, and maybe you have to have the week off because you can go and see how other people go and visit their churches. And so it, for 20 centuries, the church and the form of the form or another, the very earliest descriptions of church, and it, following Peter's sermon, I think it's the very first mission statement for the church, very long, frankly. Passage in chapter two flicked over the Gentiles in the very first council. Very long. Paul is out there trying to raise money from the Christians, and before very long, Paul is out there trying to raise money from the Christians in Rome. Long. Paul is out there trying to raise money from the Christians in Rome. Paul is out there trying to raise money from the Christians in Rome. And at, is out there trying to raise money from the Christians in Rome and at other places. Out there trying to raise money from the Christians in Rome and at other places. Trying to raise money from the Christians in Rome and at other places. To from the Christians in Rome and at other places. To from the Christians in Rome. And at other places to assist Christians in Rome and at other places to assist the Christians in Rome and at other places to assist the Christians in Jerusalem and at other places to assist the Christians in Jerusalem and at other places to assist the Christians in Jerusalem other places to assist the Christians in Jerusalem places to assist the Christians in Jerusalem so to assist the Christians in Jerusalem so to assist the Christians in Jerusalem so assist the Christians in Jerusalem so, assist the Christians in Jerusalem. So, 
the Christians in Jerusalem. So, in Jerusalem. So, this idyllic. So, this idyllic community that. So, this idyllic community that I think we. So, this idyllic community that I think we sometimes. So, this idyllic community that I think we sometimes expect. This idyllic community that I think we sometimes expect the church to be. This idyllic community that I think we sometimes expect the church to be uh, didn't happen quite that way, not even in the Bible. There were lots of challenges that they had to face. But here's one of the interesting things. Wherever the church has existed, there has been some attempt to redistribute wealth for the sake of those in need. That's what we're doing this morning with a ton of food campaign. That's what we do with the Deacon's Assistance Fund. That's what we do when we do Hands for Christ Service Day. We're seeking to use our energy and do something for those most in need. It's striking to me that these early followers of Jesus spent their time together day by day. And day by day, the Lord was adding to their numbers. That uh, they would gather together and they would eat with one another. They broke bread together at their homes because there weren't any facilities. So it was kind of like a progressive dinner that just moved from house to house as they gathered together and celebrated with joy and shared what they had with glad and generous hearts. Joy and generosity were the results of the resurrected faith they'd embraced in Christ and their time together. And I got to tell you, I hope that's what you experience when you come to church. Joy and generosity. Because that is what our faith produces in human life. Church was not once a week or once a month, or once a year. People wanted this faith that was at the heart of their life to find expression daily. And I really think that part of what's going on as churches are exploring different models and trying to figure out how to live out their faith, I think there's a part of the emergent church movement that desires to see Faith in our relationship with God on a daily basis. Not just every once in a great while. They want to see church released from the moorings of a weekly ritual and return to something vibrant and joyous that produces generosity in our daily experience. The very thing that characterized the early church in Acts of the Apostles. Is that your experience of church? I hope it is. I like the way one church puts it. They say the church needs to learn to breathe with both lungs. 
needs to learn to breathe with joy, and it needs to learn to breathe with mission. Those are the two lungs of the church. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I go back to this mission statement. They paid attention to the apostles' teaching, fellowship with one another. They broke bread together, and they prayed with one another. The San Marino Community Church is seeking to breathe with both lungs. That's why we're gathered for worship, and we do so with such joy in this context, in our contemporary worship, in our traditional, in our classic worship services, and our ton of food campaign, and our Hands for Christ service day, both lungs. That's the church. Daily, living into the reality of God's presence with us. Daily, living out our faith in the world. Years ago, a pastor went to visit somebody who had stopped going to church. And he was upset, and we pastors hear this kind of stuff all the time, you know. So you kind of go in, and you got to take the download. And uh, so he went in to meet this guy, and they were sitting in his living room, and there was a fire burning in the fireplace. And the guy started in and said, uh, you know, all those people at church are hypocritical, uh, you know, the, the same stuff you hear from people who don't go to church, right? Um, uh, you know, that music is so ancient, and the stuff they do there just doesn't seem to fit in modern times, and, you know, all that kind of thing. And while, he, while the pastor was hearing all this, he, he took a poker uh, near the fireplace, and he just reached over, and he pulled one log off the fire and just kind of moved it away from the fire. And as the guy was going on and on, eventually the, the fire went out on that log, and the rest of the fire was burning brightly. And the pastor said, I just want to show you this. I mean, this log has burned out. Apart from the community, you can't live the vibrant faith life God intends. And he said, okay, all right, you made your point. I'll be at church next week. Fellowship with one another keeps the fires of our faith stoked. Any one of us, like that log, will burn out or lose the flame of our own faith. So thanks be to God for the church. A few weeks ago, Palm Sunday, two bombs were detonated by Muslim extremists at Coptic churches in Egypt as people were gathering there for worship. The Islamic State claimed responsibility for those suicide bombings, and 44 people who were coming to church were killed. And according to the news reports, it raised the specter of increased sectarian bloodshed. Egypt declared a state of emergency. This week, Pope Francis visited Egypt with a lot of security and visited with the head of the Coptic church and with an imam from a, um, a, a local Muslim community. 
And also this week, I received this message from an Egyptian friend that was produced by the Bible Society of Egypt in response to what happened three weeks ago. How are Christians responding to the church bombings? Despite the horror, grief, and fear, there's an increased determination to attend church and to love and to forgive. In the immediate wake of the attack, several Christians posted this status update. Dear terrorists, slay whomever you want among us. We're used to your sword a long time ago. Our faith is not going to be shakable. It's even stronger. We love you despite you hating us. And we're blessing you and praying for you. Christ said, love your enemies. And our life is a gift to you. End quote. Now that sounds like a church community that's paying attention to the apostles' teaching, gathered together in fellowship, breaking bread with one another, and praying together. It's quite different than sort of the consumer model of church that we all are familiar with here in our own culture, where you go to the church that provides the most services or the best programs, and you shop them. How are you responding to the challenges you're facing in your own life? And how, perhaps, has your faith been removed from the blazing fire of the faith community to a log that's standing by itself with your headphones on and burning out, losing the energy? Do you participate in any educational program so you're learning about your faith? You're deepening your understanding of the beauty and the magnificence of what God has done. Are you part of breaking bread together with other people of faith? Do you spend time in fellowship within the church community? What's your prayer life like in these days? From the very beginning of the church and still today, people are cut to the heart by the message of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and they join together in communities of faith where they live out the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, worshiping with joy, serving with compassion and generosity. And that promise is for you and for your children and for everyone whom the Lord calls. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you for the church that throughout the centuries, sometimes effectively, sometimes rather ineffectively, but always attempting to represent you, to proclaim your word, to lift the horizon of our view so that we can see you and participate in what you're doing in the world and in our lives. 
Make this a daily event for each one of us that we might know that joy and that generosity which you intend for your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.